again. Uh, my name is Rich, if I haven't met you before. Oh, so perfect. Thank you. You read my mind. That's my wife, for those of you who don't know. We read each other's minds sometimes. Okay. Um, hey, I got a few things just to let you know about that are happening in the life of our church, but as I'm sharing that, I'm going to have our ushers come down to the front, and they're going to give you an opportunity to give back to God just a little bit of how He's blessed you. And so we're so thankful in our church that we have, um, that God blesses us, and He invites us just to give back to Him as, a, as just worship and to be a part of what He's doing. So as they're coming down, I want to let you know about a few things going on. Uh, this coming Saturday, you might have seen these little cards out in the, uh, in the, in the comments there. There's a line dance happening out at Heather and William, uh, Heather and Dallas Williams Barn. And so, do we have any line dancers here this morning by any chance? Okay, some of you, all right. And, and the rest of you are going, no, actually, but I've been wanting to line dance my whole life. And this is your opportunity this weekend to learn how to line dance. And so, there's going to be games, there's going to be all kinds of fun stuff going on. And that's going to be uh, this Saturday at 6 o'clock. And uh, bring your whole family. If you haven't been to Dallas and Heather's Barn, it's, it's amazing. I mean, they've got, there's pool tables, there's, uh, there's, there's all kinds of cool stuff. Foosball, that's what I was looking for, foosball tables. And air hockey, and just a big space to have a lot of fun with a lot of people. And so that's this Saturday. And I believe the directions are on here. Yes, grab one of these. They're out there in the, the comments, and it's got all the directions. And uh, we'd love to have you be a part of that. Um, coming up really soon, every year, we have all the ladies of our church get together out at Cedar Springs and Sumas. And as you can see, it's a great time. And uh, if you have not registered yet, ladies, make sure that you register for the women's retreat. It's going to be just a lot of fun. You actually hit Cedar Springs. If you've never been to Cedar Springs before, it's this retreat center. And you're, it's, it's full of rhododendrons. And you actually have the retreat. I don't know, if Heather, if it's planned this way, but you hit it right when all the rhododendrons are blossoming, and it's just, like, spectacular. Um, you have a lot of great ladies there that just love to, to laugh and have a good time, and God always shows up in a powerful way. And so I encourage you ladies to sign up for that. Um, if you need any help, please do not let finances stop you. Um, we have it budgeted every year as a church to just help if anybody needs some help. And so if you need some help with scholarships, we have, we have um, some available. Let myself know or let Heather know. Heather, give your hand a big wave back there. Talk to Heather, and she will make sure that you get all that stuff so that you can be a part of what God is going to do at this retreat. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Okay. Um, I'm going to have Mo come and join me up here. So we have a team going this summer to, to Mexico on a missions trip. And you might have come in the building today. And notice that on the wall there are a bunch of hands. And John's going to come down too, I take it? Or John just wanted to come and be a part of things? Or <laughs> He's like, yeah, let me, I want to be a part of that. <laughs> this, is, this is John. <laughs> Hola. Hola. Yeah, I put it there. John, come on. Boom. <laughs> John is actually also going on the missions trip. This is all planned for those of you that need are here for your first time. Going, oh, okay, interesting. So I'm going to, I'm actually going to give you a mic. Let me get you a little bit of cord here. So Mo is going to explain what this fundraiser is out on the, uh, the wall out there. Okay, so um, on the wall out here, there's some really cute hands. <laughs> some are little. They're so adorable. Um, they have numbers on them. So how it works, um, this, we did this so kids could get involved too. Um, they grab a number on it. it. It could be a four. Maybe that's their favorite number. You donate $4. And you just, there's envelopes out there. And th the fun thing for us is that you um, get to write a message on the back of the hand. And when we're in country on the mission trip, we read those. And you don't know how many encouraging things we have been. Um, yeah, it's it's been very encouraging when we're on mission. And so... Yeah, if you're if you feel inclined, you know, to support your mission team, go ahead and grab a grab a hand. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Um, and then just a little update on our team, real quick, before I hand the mic to John. <laughs> um, your team, we've been we've met a couple times. We're getting to know each other pretty good. Um, 
we still got a ways to go, um, but I want to ask for your prayers um, for the team. We have, there's 16 of us going. Um, we um, have had some spiritual attacks already, um, which we expect, and we kind of right away prepare the team for that kind of thing, but it's, it's rough. It can be rough. So please just um, keep us in your prayers, and um, we just want to be vessels for Jesus. So um, we appreciate you guys. Buenos dias, amigos. <laughs> Hey, hey, hey. Yes. So, um, uh, Mona didn't say, but maybe, maybe you've been married for 75 years and 75 is your favorite number? <laughs> no, I, I, I'm just kidding. No pressure. So, I, I did want to tell you to mark your calendars for May 7th. There will be an incredible Mexican dinner um, cooked by Mona, Augie, Anita, and others, and the team. So you know, these folks really know how to cook a Mexican mm -hmm. dinner. It's, it's, yeah, it's right after church, May 7th. It'll be by donation. Also that day will be a silent auction. And I know of a few of the items that's going up for auction, some good stuff. But even more important, it's all to support your mission team going to Mexico. Okay, gracias. <laughs> gracias. <laughs> <laughs> gracias, gracias, it's all the same, right? <laughs> no, okay, all right. Awesome. I love the way they put that, your mission team, your mission trip, and it really is. It's not something that we're just, it's not like we're sending some people just to, like we're not connected. No, this is, this is, this is a team that our church is sending. And so you're a big part of this, a big part of this. And so you have an opportunity to partner with this team financially and just bless them that way. You have the opportunity to partner with them in your prayers and just God does amazing things in them and through them and pray for the, 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 the orphanage they're going to to serve. I mean, there's so many ways you can partner with this team. And so we appreciate all of that. And uh, so yeah, grab a hand, grab a hand after the service and write a note of encouragement. I've been on a, a, a trip where uh, we read the, the encouragement, the, the, the notes every uh, morning, and I can just tell you, they, they are significant. And when you read those, it's like God really speaks through those notes um, to encourage and to build up and all that stuff. And, and so I encourage you, when you do that, um, even take some time to think about it. God, is there something that you want me to write down on this, this hand? To encourage this team when they take off so so that'd be really good okay all right we are going to uh actually before we i jump into the sermon uh i don't think she's here in the room today but we had a, a team led by maricelli last week that did an awesome job of putting on that egg hunt and so if you could do me a big favor before you leave today just go in there and let her know she's over there in the kids rock room and just tell her how much you appreciate her and every, all the time and energy that her and her team put into making that happen, that would be sweet. And then some of you are going, something is different about the stage. What is different about the stage? Why, what is it? Well, the difference is our lighting issue that we've had for the last 12 years or so has been fixed. And we, we had a team of people. <laughs> Little demonstration going on here. Yeah, okay. <laughs> But uh, we had a, a team of about seven or eight guys that, that all came down here and uh, just put in a lot of hours and just did a lot of stuff. New lights installed. Our whole sound booth back there has just been rem remodeled. And so it's, it's been way overdue. And uh, there's just been a lot of shadowy stuff up here when, before the lights. Someone would be playing back here. and they're in the so It wasn't a great setup. So it's been a need that we've had for a long time. And so... Um, yeah, so just uh, thanks to your generosity and thanks to this team who just uh, put in all the time to make this happen. And so you're going to find over the next few weeks, the guys in the back are probably going to be playing around a little bit and trying to just figure out the, the, some, some lighting configurations and all that. And so if you see in the middle of the sermon, all of a sudden strobes are just flashing in your face, that's what's going on, okay? They're trying to figure out what's the best thing. Don't do that, Dallas, please. 
<laughs> I, can, I, can, I can read Dallas's mind. He's like, oh, that was permission. No, it wasn't. It wasn't permission. <laughs> okay, we are this morning going to be wrapping up this, this sermon series that we've been in for the last uh, four weeks or so called The Resurrected King. And I always like the, the Sunday after Easter. I think some pastors and some churches, they kind of shift gears the Sunday after Easter, and, and that's okay. That's good and fine everything. But I always like to kind of come back to Easter the week after Easter and just talk a little bit more about what this means that Jesus is alive. What does it mean for us after the fact, you know? Because Easter comes along and Good Friday and all that stuff, and we celebrate that and we remember that, and it's powerful and it's good. But then I think sometimes we just kind of get on with our, our lives and we don't really let it settle in what this means and, and what this it not means for us personally in our church, but what it really means for the world around us. I don't know if you've ever asked yourself the question, like, how would the world be different if Jesus hadn't come back to life? How would the world be different if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead? You know, let's think about this for, for a minute. So rough estimates are that on the planet right now, there are around 2.5 billion people, roughly a third of the population, roughly, uh, so uh, around 2.5 billion people that associate themselves with Christianity with Jesus in some form or another. Um, our calendar, of course, is based off of the life of Jesus. It's before Christ and after Christ. Then you have um, most of the early universities um, got their start actually out of, uh, they were established as institutions to teach the Bible and to teach the way of Jesus. Then you have just how um, around, 30, it was 325 AD, it was decided that every town that had a cathedral needed to have a hospital. And so you have this expansion of medical care that was largely due to people who recognized that, that Jesus was big on compassion and healing. So even our whole medical system around the world and then up until Jesus, it, it was men who were kind of seen in society as having the most value. Women were kind of in the background. But then Jesus comes along, and he brings women right into his inner circle, and it changed everything. Then there's art, uh, like drawing and painting and stuff. If you were to walk through the Louvre in, in Paris or the National Gallery in London, you're going to feel like you're actually walking through a Bible storybook because there's so many paintings and Sculptures and everything that have to do with, with Jesus. He's everywhere. And nearly every single facet of our world has been impacted in some way by Jesus and by the, the reality that, that he's, he's alive. But what if he hadn't risen from the dead? You know, for starters, his disciples, you know, all these, these guys that actually risked their lives and, and laid down their lives for of Jesus and for the sake of the message that Jesus gave. They wouldn't have done all that if, if, if Jesus had not come back to life. Um, he had influenced them in, with his teachings and all that kind of stuff. So maybe, you know, maybe at some point they decide once everything kind of dies down with Rome, maybe they decide that they're going to put some of Jesus' teachings in a book and, and maybe build a monument to him or something like that just to kind of remember him. You know, maybe Jesus is remembered in history, maybe like as a Confucius or a Socrates or something like that. But it would have been way different. He did rise, though. And with his resurrection, the world has been influenced and shaped by him in every way that you can possibly imagine. I love what author Philip Yancey says. He says, Easter makes Jesus dangerous. Easter means that he must be loose out there somewhere. You see, when Jesus rose from the dead... It wasn't just this exclamation point on a life well lived. That's not what it was about. It was about so much more than that. And I actually this morning want to take us on a, a journey to help us see just what this resurrection is really all about. And uh, it, it, was, it was about, and we talked a little bit about this last week, the resurrection was the beginning of a, a new creation where Jesus sits enthroned as the resurrected king. And his kingdom is unleashed. It's launched in power. It's launched in glory. It was the beginning of heaven coming to earth. A tidal wave had been released that would completely transform history. And it's interesting because at first, even after he came back to life, nobody really understood just what him being alive meant. His own disciples 
didn't have a clue just how much him being alive shifted everything. And I always find it fascinating. You know, there's the story of the, the four counts of Jesus' life in the Gospels. They, they have a lot of Jesus' life and his teachings and his miracles and all that kind of stuff. And then the cross and the resurrection. But then there's always this, in most of the, the, the accounts, there's a, a section after the resurrection that kind of tells a little bit about what happened with Jesus kind of walking around on earth in the, in the flesh. And it's always fascinating to me to read kind of what happened there and to read how the disciples responded. Because at first, they carry on as if nothing had happened. It's fascinating. So Jesus comes back to life. Um, he appears to this, the disciples. And then a week later, after that first appearance, they've, they've laid their eyes on Jesus, just like you're looking at me right now in the flesh. They lay their eyes on Jesus, and then a week later, they're still hiding out in this room. They've got themselves locked into this room, and they're terrified that the Roman army is going to come and get them and crucify them or whatever, just like they did with Jesus. It's crazy. And then a week after that, so three weeks after Jesus had risen from the dead, the disciples have already seen Jesus two times in the flesh. And you would think, you know, at that moment, they would just be, okay, he's alive. This is real. We're going to be out. We're going to get out there in the streets. We're going to be, we're going to be just, we're going to be telling everybody about who he is. But a few weeks after he first appeared, so at this point, he showed up two times to the disciples. The disciples have gone back to their old careers, completely walking away from what Jesus had called them to do. They Jesus was alive, and here they are just living their lives as if nothing had really, nothing had really changed. And then Jesus ascends to heaven, and then, of course, everything really flips around for the disciples. On Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes down. Jesus, the, the Spirit of Christ Jesus comes down, and, and he baptizes them all with Holy Ghost fire. And it's like the tidal wave that had been building. The tidal wave crashed on the shore, only it wasn't a tidal wave that brought devastation and destruction. It was a tidal wave that, that had life-giving power and energy and completely transformed everything. And the world has been forever changed. And, it, you know, it's actually very fitting the way that um, people way back in the day, whoever made the decision, but how they, de they decided that our calendar is going to be based around this point in history where Jesus was alive and where Jesus went to the cross and where Jesus came to, to back to life. It's very fitting that they decided, okay, there's going to be everything before and there's, there's everything after Jesus. He's going to be the dividing point of Jesus. And, and the reason that this is fitting is that Jesus really did usher in a brand new reality. He ushered in a brand new reality. He was bringing heaven down to earth. It's why he started his preaching and he ended his preaching saying, repent for what? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, the kingdom of heaven has arrived. The kingdom of heaven is here. And, and the message, this message was at the center of Jesus preaching and teaching. And, and if, you, if you just even read through the book of Matthew alone in the Bible, that phrase, kingdom of heaven, in one way or another, is mentioned 53 times. This was a big deal for Jesus. But what, is, what does this mean? And does it even matter for us living here in the 21st century? Isn't it enough for us just to believe in Jesus, go to church sometimes, you know, pray before we have our dinner? Why does the kingdom of God matter? Why would Jesus command you and I to seek first his kingdom in his righteousness. Why would he say that? Why would Jesus say, yeah, this is it's such a big deal. Above everything he says, above all the concerns of your life, so just think for a second about what concerns you in life. Maybe you're a student in the room and your biggest concern right now is what am I gonna do when I graduate in a couple months? What am I gonna do about college? Or maybe your concern is your house. Maybe your concern is what you're gonna do with with your job, or your concern is your, your car, or your truck, or your concern is your health, or your concern is your clothes, your food, your children. Maybe you're just wrapped up in your retirement fund, and how am, how am I going to retire with all the craziness going on in the world right now? Jesus says, above all of that, seek his kingdom first. And what is so important, I mean, just think about this, what is so important about his kingdom that he would say, seek it above everything else. So like I said, we're going to go on a little bit of a journey this morning. 
And like many things in the Bible, in order to fully understand why this is important, we actually have to go all the way back to the beginning. All the way back to the beginning. And, and we're going to do that, but for starters, let's get on the same, the same page. What are we talking about when we're talking about the kingdom? The kingdom. That's not language that we, we use a whole lot around here. Um, a kingdom, though, has to do with um, dominion. It has to do with uh, the reign of royalty. It's about power and authority. It's about a king and the people uh, bringing the, the, the way of the king to all those in the kingdom's domain. When you think kingdom, think less along the lines of, of King Charles or, or uh, is it King Charles or Prince Charles or soon to be king? You're like, this is America, son. We don't call anybody king around here. Only the Lord is king. Doesn't matter. But don't think about Charles and, and, and that. Think more along the lines of King Arthur, King Mufasa, you know, like these legendary, like, over the pride lands or whatever. Think, when you think kingdom, it, a true kingdom isn't just a figurehead. It's not just a person that has a, a, a nice suit and a, a cool accent and um, expensive crowns and clothes and all that stuff. No, a true kingdom, there's, there is real authority. There's a king who rules over all. King who rules over all. That's what a kingdom is. And so going way back to the Garden of Eden, um, we see something incredible happen. So we're going to kind of go through a little bit of, of biblical history here. And you've got to stick with me because this all is going to tie together at the end. But we see something really incredible happen. God, who is king over everything, he comes along and he creates the universe. And in it, there's galaxies and there's planets and there's stars and all that kind of stuff. And at the center of, of this, this, this cosmos, he creates this beautiful little planet that we call home planet earth and on it he creates everything that we enjoy he creates fir trees and cedar trees and puppies and kittens and bears and mountain ranges and lions and and and, and mountains and lakes and rivers and, and everything and then lastly what does he do he creates humanity he creates us but then does god just stop at creating us no this is important he actually puts us in a position of authority where our job is to rule, it's to reign, and it's to advance his kingdom on this earth. L listen to what God says. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may what? So they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Gives us, a, there's an authority there. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and do what? Subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. So God creates us. He places us in the Garden of Eden and he puts us in charge of the place as his representatives. And then he says, fill the earth and subdue it. So he gives us a job to do, to love to love. And to, to be devoted to him and to kind of extend the borders of the garden through humble devotion to him. And it was like God in this moment, it's, it's like he gives us the keys of the kingdom. You know, you, you, you hear that phrase some, sometimes when you, you give the keys of the kingdom. He puts us in charge, gives us authority to rule and to reign and extend it to the ends of the earth to take all the blessing that we've been given and increase it. But we blew it. We blew it. Um, you're going, uh, I don't think I blew it. I think that was that guy named Adam and Eve or whatever who blew it. But no, it, it, it's humanity. We blew it. It would be like you going on vacation and while you're away, the kids burn the house down. That's, that's kind of what, what happened here. Um, we didn't just blow it. We, what we did was we actually took those keys of the kingdom and we actually surrendered them and we gave them away. We had the title deed to the planet and we gave it away. And we couldn't have picked a worse someone to give it away to. We actually gave it away to the enemy, the devil. And at that moment, if you're wondering why the world is so broken, and you're wondering why there's so much pain, and why there's so much suffering, and why there's, why there's all this bad stuff, there's evil in our world, it's because of this moment. Because when, we, when, when sin entered the picture, everything became cursed, sickness, wars, 
greed, gossip, fighting, it all came entering the picture. But here's the thing, God's plan all along was that his kingdom, his authority, his rule, his reign would be supreme and that we as his ambassadors would advance that reign on, on the earth. So God puts a plan in motion through which he could get back the keys. Get back the keys. It would take thousands of years and ultimately it would involve God sending his son to earth to pay the price for our sin. And the enemy tried to get Jesus actually to take some shortcuts to getting the keys back. And, and listen, when, when the enemy came along to tempt Jesus in the wilderness, listen to, to one of the ways that, that the enemy tempted Jesus. He said, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone, anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. But Jesus would have none of it because he knew that the only way to do this was actually going to be to suffer and die on a cross for the sins of the world he knew that the only way to get the keys back was to die on the cross, taking our punishment and lifting the curse that was over all of creation. And his victory on the cross is, is, is about so much more than, than us just our faith in him and going to heaven. No, there's, there was a victory that was won on a cosmic level through the cross and through the empty tomb. And nor does the Bible state this more clearly than then in Colossians, and, and I just love how the message paraphrases this. It says it like this. Going under the water was a burial of your old life. So kind of talking a little bit here about baptism. Coming up out of it was a resurrection. God raising you from the dead as he did Christ. When you were stuck in your old sin-dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, that old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. And then th this is the bigger thing that he does, or that he did on the cross. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross, and he marched them naked through the streets. Jesus had taken back what mankind, what humanity had given away. He took it back. And having risen from the dead victorious, he stood in his place of victory and he commissioned us, or rather you could even say he recommissioned us, saying all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And in a sense, it was Eden all over again. He was taken back what the devil had stolen. His kingdom had come, and his rule and his reign had been established once again. And who did he put in charge? Surely not us. You know, like, after what happened way back there in Eden, you know, we'd already blown it once. Surely he wouldn't put mankind in charge again. Surely he wouldn't give us the, the same kind of authority. You know, we had burned the place down back then, and, and he probably needed to teach us a lesson and, and go about this a different way. But there's this thing about God that's amazing— our God is a God of second chances. And if you've been following him long enough, you know that he's also God of third chances and fourth chances. Our God is a God who's big in grace. He knows how we are made. He remembers that we are dust, Psalm 103 says. He knows all that. And so God being a God of grace, he does the, 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 the craziest thing. He, he, he gives us what we don't deserve. And believe it or not, he gives the keys of the kingdom back to us. He puts us back in charge. He restores our, the authority that we had to rule and to reign and to bring his kingdom to this world of power. And, and before the cross, Jesus had given his, his followers a bit of a sneak peek at what this was going to look, what was to come. He said to them, I will give you the keys of what? The keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And that is authority. That's Garden of Eden type authority to rule and to reign. And it's for all of those who put their faith and trust in Jesus, who are humbly devoted to him and obeying their king. The original plan at creation, God didn't toss it out. But it was realized here once and for all in the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. Now, yes, there is a, there's an aspect of the kingdom of God that is not yet. But like I said last week, don't let that be an excuse 
for not being someone through whom the prayer of Jesus is answered that his kingdom would come, his will would be done on earth here as it is in, in heaven. You were born to rule and to advance God's kingdom on this earth. Originally, it was to rule over creation, you know, all the birds and the fish and all that stuff. But now that sin has entered the picture, there's another aspect to that rule. Our rule is to, it's still over creation, but now it's to expose and undo the works of the devil. Sounds good, Rich, but what the heck does that even mean? Expose and undo the works of the devil. Well, Jesus actually showed us what that means. It means where there's sadness, we bring joy. Where there's sickness, we bring healing. Where there's loneliness, we bring friendship. Where there's poverty, we bring hope and prosperity. Where there's despair, we bring life. Where there's slavery, we bring freedom. Where there's oppression, we bring deliverance. Where there's shame, we bring God-given identity. Where there's fear, we bring faith. Where there's anxiety, we bring peace. Where there's hate, we bring love. And where there's death, we bring life. That's what it means to advance the kingdom of God on this earth. You have been given authority through Jesus. Listen to, what, listen to what he says to you. He says, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, it's important to know that when Jesus is talking about treading on serpents and scorpions, he's not saying, hey, go down to the desert and find some bugs and some reptiles to squish. It's not what he's saying here. Um, in ancient times, serpents and scorpions were metaphors used to describe evil powers, used to describe darkness. And it's no coincidence that Jesus in this text uses the word serpent. Because remember how this all got started way back in the garden? With a serpent, the evil one, and, and humanity handing over that authority to the serpent. And Jesus is declaring here that through the cross and the resurrection, he's actually giving it back. And my question for us is this. Are we living our lives as those called to bring his kingdom to this earth, walking with victory over our sin, you know, taking this resurrection life that is inside of us? Are we taking that to the, the, the corners of the earth, wherever God calls us? Or are we living like those first disciples did, you know, pre-Pentecost, as if the resurrection didn't really change anything? Are we like the disciples who initially were, were cowering in fear and going about their lives as if, as if nothing had really happened. How are you living your life? How are you living your life? And let me just close by giving you a few ways how you can walk in this authority that you've been given um, through the, the resurrection and through all that Jesus has done on the cross. Let me just give you a few ways you can do this. Number one is put King Jesus at the center of your life. Put King Jesus Jesus at the center of your life. At the center of this kingdom is, is not a cross. It's not an empty tomb. It's not a church. It's not a church building or a church program or a sermon or a song. At the center of this kingdom is the risen, resurrected King Jesus. He is alive. He is alive. And, and, and the kingdom of God is concentrated on its king. Love him with everything that you have. Worship him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know, be devoted to him. Listen to him. Obey him. Make him the gravitational pull of your life, the center of your life, of everything that you're about. If you want to be about advancing his kingdom and seeing his kingdom come to this world that is still in darkness, this world that's so broken, this world where there's evil and there's hurt, and there, if you want to be about that, if you want to be about that in your home, in your school, in your workplace, it starts by making King Jesus the center of your life. Anchor your life. Anchor your life on Jesus. He is good. He's so good. He's, he's, he's better than you could ever think or imagine he is. He's life. He's life to the full. He is the one that satisfies all your heart's deepest desires. They are ultimately fulfilled in him. He's good, and he's so worthy of all of our heart's devotion. Put King Jesus at the center of your life. 
Second thing you can do is live in the reality of this kingdom. You know, if you make the resurrection just to be about, you know, showing up to church meetings from time to time or, you know, getting rid of all the fun stuff in your life or you make it about um, spending hours reading what to you just seems like maybe an old book or, or, or praying some just lifeless prayers and one day if you just do everything right, you're going to be a fat little baby on a cloud in heaven playing the harp or whatever. <laughs> if you make it about all that stuff, man, you've, you've, you've missed it. You've missed it. The kingdom, the reality of the kingdom, it's so much bigger than that. It's, in fact, a lot of that stuff, is not, that's not even what it's even close to being about. Jesus said the reality of the kingdom that he came to bring was he came to bring life and life to the what? Life and life to the what? The full. He came to bring abundant life. Yeah, there's a lot of good things out there that that bring joy and bring peace and bring, you know, just good stuff. But there is nothing like the life that is found in Jesus. It's ultimately all found in him. In fact, every good thing that you have in your life that brings you joy, it actually, the Bible says, it all comes from, from Jesus, ultimately from Jesus. All, every good and perfect gift is from the Father above. And yet for many Christians, the reality of Jesus being alive doesn't really have much impact on how they live. Not much impact. It doesn't change the way they see the world. It doesn't shape their decisions. It doesn't shape their affections. It doesn't shape how they spend the resources they've been given. You know, the resurrection, it, it, it was a turning point in history. The kingdom of God launched in power and glory. And, and we're to ask God for his kingdom to come, his will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And this isn't just a nice prayer. It is a nice prayer. But this is the heart, and this is the will of God. And the answer to that prayer begins when we start living in the reality of the kingdom. Will you walk in defeat, or will you walk in victory? Will you be someone who brings his kingdom to your workplace, or will you just show up at your workplace because it's just the job that you need to have? Will you be someone who spreads his love and joy even to your enemies, or will you just treat your enemies like everybody else treats their enemies? How, how will you live in reality, the, the reality of what Jesus has done and how his kingdom is coming to this earth? You know, the book of Acts, it's the book right after all the four counts of Jesus' life. Jesus has ascended back up into heaven, and then the book of Acts is the it's the history of the early church. And in the book of Acts, it reveals what resurrection life, advancing the kingdom of God, is all about. It shows us what, what kingdom life, this new creation, is supposed to look like. And, and people over the years have made this massive mistake of put, taking the book of Acts and taking the life of the early church that wasn't perfect, it had, its, had, had, all of it, it had shortcomings too, but they've taken the, the book of Acts in the early church and they put it in this nice little box and gone, yeah, that's, that was for back then, as if Jesus wasn't the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. Um, people make the mistake, going, no, that was for the beginning. You know, all that stuff, just the, the level of loving community they had, you know, the, the miracles, entire cities that were being changed, that was for back then. That is a lie of the enemy. That's actually what kingdom life looks like. And, and God wants us to know this life now. He wants you to know his healing power now. He wants you to know freedom, love, joy. He wants us as a church to be tight-knit, to be generous with one another, to be loving towards one another, to, to, to love each other in a way that it actually stands out in the world. They look at us, Jesus said, and they go, they, there's something different about them because they love each other in a way that's just otherworldly. That's for today. Live in the reality of this kingdom and, and don't settle. Don't settle for anything else. And the last thing is this, and, and I want to unpack this just a little bit, but begin walking in the authority that is yours. What does that mean? You know, there's this moment in Jesus' life. Um, Jesus uh, cousin was a guy named John the Baptist, and John the Baptist went out before Jesus and prepared the way for Jesus to come and the message of Jesus. And John has a moment very early on where, where he just declares that Jesus is, he's the Messiah. He's the Lamb of God, John says. And then Jesus comes on the scene, and, and he starts doing his, this is ministry, teaching and miracles and all this kind of stuff. Well, John the Baptist actually winds up in prison 
he would actually lose his life uh, because of that, lose his, get his head whacked off. Um, but at some point while he's in prison, with all this, his life has kind of gone, it's kind of gone the way he wasn't expecting, he starts to doubt Jesus. And he starts to doubt that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is, is, is who he says he is. And so John sends some of his friends to go to Jesus and ask them this question. Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect some, someone else? And Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And what Jesus essentially says here is, do you want to know the evidence that I'm the Messiah? You know, the Messiah is, is a word that means the anointed one. The, that's back in biblical times when a king was coming to the throne. What they would do is they would pour oil on them and anoint them. And, and Jesus says, if you want to, if you want to know um, whether or not King Jesus has arrived with his kingdom, just look around. Look around at what's happening. Not just what I... I'm, I'm saying, but look at what I'm doing. People are being healed. People are being set free. People are being cleansed. The dead are being raised to life. The good news is being proclaimed. And, and the poor are discovering hope in Jesus. All this activity, it's like Jesus saying, all this activity is the kingdom of God breaking into the domain of the evil one. It's the kingdom of God being ushered in. And then with words that would have been as shocking to his disciples back then as they are to us today, he says, a little bit later on, he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. He says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask for anything in my name and it will be done. And he tells them, you're gonna do the same things that I did. The impact that I had Jesus said on people's lives the hope that I brought people, the freedom that I brought people, the way that I loved people, the way that I showed grace to, to, the, to the person who was just steeped in brokenness and sin, you're gonna do that. You're gonna pray for people and they're gonna, who are sick, and guess what? Some of them are gonna be healed. Jesus makes these, these promises to us. You'll share the good news and people will respond with faith and trust. This isn't just the stuff for the book of Acts, people. This isn't just stuff for people on the other side of the planet. This is for you as followers of Jesus. Well, how will this happen? Jesus, a little bit later on, in another place in John 14, he explains, he says, if you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Some translations say a helper who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth, the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you, which is what happened at Pentecost. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, this is Jesus. He's calling his resurrection here before it happens. You know, he's like Babe Ruth calling the home run. He's like, when I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. How do we walk in this same kind of authority that Jesus walked in? Well, it's being people that are filled with the Spirit of God. It's being people that walk in this authority that he's given us. Well, how do we do that? You know, one of the big ways you do that is through prayer. I don't think most people, most Christians, understand what is happening when you pray. You have been given an authority. When you pray for that, that child who has walked away from God and you ask God to come and work and intervene, guess what? There is a battle that takes place in the spiritual realm, the unseen that you can't even see is going on. Something happens. When you pray over someone that is sick, you know, some, sometimes, sometimes God works in the moment and does a miracle. Sometimes God will actually not work in the moment and he'll work through doctors and nurses and all that kind of stuff. But, some, but, but God works and he moves. Just this morning, hopefully you'll hear about this sometime in the next few weeks, but we had one of our, our worship team was just sharing how God miraculously healed them. 
I'd love to tell you the whole story, but it's theirs to share, but we'll get to that later on, Lord willing. But when you pray, something happens because you've been given an authority in Jesus. And when you pray in Jesus' name, God works and God moves. This is how you walk in this authority that you've been given. When you love people, guess what? You're walking in this authority that God has, the reality of his kingdom. You're being a light. When you do good to people, when you do good to your, your neighbors, and when you do good to your classmates, and you do good to your, your church, guess what? The Bible says that you overcome evil by doing good. You are walking in this authority, and you are bringing the kingdom of God to every place that you step foot. That's what this is all about. When you sign up to be a part of a mission team that's going down to, to Mexico or wherever in the, the world that God leads you, guess what? You are going, okay, I'm going to walk in this authority that God's been given me. I'm going I'm, I'm to take this kingdom and I'm going I'm to bring it wherever I go. I'm going to bring it to an, an orphanage in Baja, California, and I'm just going to be a light down there. I'm going I'm to be Jesus. And you're bringing the kingdom where, he's, where he, he leads you. When you take the work that God has done in you and, and you don't just keep it to yourself, but you go, no, wait a second. Jesus is alive. His spirit lives inside of me. He, he has given me this authority. He, when, when, when I speak and when I act, it actually makes a difference in this world. When you take that and you begin to be empowered and, and you, you, you do good to others and you, you serve others and you love others, guess what? You're bringing his kingdom to this earth. You're bringing his kingdom to this earth. When you as parents, you build your home and your family and you love and you teach, you are bringing his kingdom to your home. Let's be people of the kingdom. Let's be people who don't just leave resurrection to one day a year where we come together and we talk about something that happened way back then as if it doesn't really have any impact on how we live our lives today. No, let's be people that live our lives with this understanding that Jesus has ushered in a, 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 a way for his kingdom to come to this earth and for us to be people who are a part of that, a key part in what he's doing in this world. Let's be people who pray with authority. Let's be people of faith. Let's be people who love like he loved, who do good like he did good. And when we do that, God will work through us as individuals. He will work through us as a church to bring his kingdom to our workplaces, our schools, our homes, wherever it is that we set our foot. Amen? Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, let's Heavenly Father, we just, this, this morning, God, we come before you, and we just want to thank you, God, for everything that the resurrection means for us today. It's so big. It's so big. You have changed. God, you've changed everything. And I, I pray, God, that, that, Lord, this morning will have just been a shift, God, in how we think. God, may it be a shift, Lord, in how we live our lives God, may it be a shift. May, may the way that we pray be different this morning. God, even this afternoon as we have things on our heart, God, I pray that, that we would, would seek your face, God, with just a new sense of faith, a new sense of expectancy work, God, in a way that only you can. God, I pray that you would help all of us, God, to be people who not only pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But God, I pray that we would be people that, that don't just keep this resurrection power, this gospel message of hope and life and salvation. May we not be people who keep that to ourselves, but may we be people who pray it and then people who, who go out into the world, out into our homes, and, and just expect to have you work through our lives to bring your kingdom to this earth. God, help us, I pray. God, help us to walk in your power. God, help us to walk in your authority. God, help us to walk, um, God, as, as children of the King of Kings. God, help us, I pray. And then, Lord, as we do that, I, I just pray, God, that you would, God, unleash your kingdom, unleash your love and your hope and your life, God, on our homes, on our schools, workplaces, God, everywhere that we set our foot. And God, I just want to lift up, um, God, this morning, God, maybe there's someone that came in here today that's just having a, a difficult time. 
And uh, God, this morning, you just want to meet them right where they're at. God, I pray that if there's anybody here that's just really struggled this week, God, I pray that, Lord, you would intervene. God, even right now in this moment, God, I pray that you would bring hope, bring healing. God, for the person that's just worn down with everything going on in their lives. God, this morning, I pray, God, that you just breathe in strength. God, may they mount up on wings as eagles, God, in your presence today. And Father, we just want to ask, God, that, Lord, as we leave today, that, God, you would, God, may we be a people that's just gripped with, with, with just who you are. God, may we be people that make our lives all about King Jesus being on the throne of our hearts. God, where we follow you and we obey you and we submit to you joyfully and gladly because you're good, because you're so, so, so good. And just, you know, just as your heads are bowed, your eyes are bowed, this morning you're going, okay, I want to make Jesus my king. I want to make him my Lord. I've never done that before. I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus. If you're here this morning, you're going, yeah, I want today to be about that. I'm going to, I want to, I want to follow him. I want to follow him. I want to pray for you in just a second. And, and, uh, but if that's you, I'm just going to ask, just put your hand up nice and high. If that's you, yeah, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. If you're watching online, let us know in the comments. Anybody here? Today, I want to make today about, I want to make it about following Jesus for the first time. Anybody here? Awesome. Heavenly Father, I just want to, God, pray that as we leave today, that God, our hearts would just be so devoted to you on a whole new level and about bringing your kingdom to this earth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. I'm going to have you stand, and we're going to actually wrap up our time together by singing a song that's just all about King Jesus and about making our lives surrendered and devoted to him. And I just encourage you as we sing this song, don't just make this a nice song to sing as we leave today, but if you're here this morning and you've been challenged about making King Jesus the Lord of your life in a greater way, about being someone through which his kingdom comes to this earth, make this song a prayer to Jesus. Make this a song of prayer to Jesus. And don't forget, on the way out today, grab a little hand and uh, bless the mission trip that way.